Our scripture today is from John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. If you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible, you can find it in the New Testament on page 103. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commandments so that you may love one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yesterday, a friend of mine who lives in Kansas City texted me that there had been a drive-by shooting on her block. She lives in the Argentine neighborhood on a block that's very diverse economically, ethnically. Her neighbors speak different languages and have various colors of skin. And my friend's wife works at a nonprofit in the neighborhood, and they feel very committed to living with the people that they help serve making them neighbors and friends and not just people who need help, uh, which is awesome. But it means that yesterday, in the middle of the day, there was a drive-by shooting on their street. It's not clear, at least yet, if anyone actually got shot. But my friend sent me the video from her Ring doorbell camera. You guys have one of these? She has a Ring doorbell. And she sent me a link to the video. And it was not just one or two shots. It was like 10 seconds or more of sustained gunfire. It was a gunfight. Uh, a few hours after the incident, the police were still there on the scene, seemingly going door to door to talk to neighbors. I was getting live text updates about what all was happening in her neighborhood. Uh, but the police never came to my friend's door. She doesn't know why. I have no idea why. Because there's a whole lot I don't know about policing. And there's a whole lot I don't know about gun violence. What I do know is I want my friend to be safe in her house. And I want her neighbors to be safe in their houses. And I'm grateful, so grateful that the police are there and working on the case and I hope they have success in figuring out who is responsible and I hope they can make this a one-time event for my friend's street. I also know that my friend was ready and willing to talk to the police officer if he or she came to the door and not all of her neighbors would have had those same feelings because a visit from the police can spark fear and anxiety, even if someone had nothing to do with the shooting. So for me, reflecting on this moment at my friend's street yesterday afternoon, I find wrapped up in it all the complexity and tension that we find when we talk about policing. 
I did tell my friend, by the way, like you're about to be a sermon illustration, okay? So she knows that I talked about this today. But there, there's so much complexity and so much tension wrapped up in talking about policing. We're grateful for the police, so grateful, and we want to support them and respect them as they do their hard jobs well. And we know that there are people who have a hard time trusting the police, and there are moments when the police fail, moments when they fail to treat everyone fairly or justly. Just a few months ago, in November of 2021, the Pew Research Center polled American adults about their views regarding policing. And 48% of people said that they had a fair amount of trust in the police, that the police would act in the public interest. And 26% of people said they had a great deal of trust that the police would act in the public interest. So that's, that's actually really good news. Almost 75% of people say that they trust the police. They trust the police to act in the public interest. Now, those responses were not equal across ethnic lines, however. White adults said that they trusted the police a great deal. 32% of white adults said that. For black adults, it was only 10% of people that said they trusted the police a great deal. Now, Pew also asked in the poll if the respondent had ever been unfairly stopped by the police. You know, they ever been unfairly targeted or had a stop that, that uh, they shouldn't have been stopped for. And 45% of black Americans said that that had happened to them at least once. For black men, the number was 64%. 64%. Compare that to 19% of Hispanic adults that said that, and only 9% of white adults that said that they had had an unfair stop or an unfair encounter with the police. So there is a real gap. There is a real gap in experience between black and white Americans regarding the police. What can be done to change that experience gap? Well, of course, Americans have a wide spectrum of beliefs about why that gap exists and what can be done in terms of training and accountability for police officers. And on Monday night, last Monday night, some members of St. Paul met to discuss these options. Just a reminder that we're diving into the purple zone together in these last, last week and this week. We're taking time to talk about a matter of public interest, one where there's disagreement in our country and probably even disagreement right here at St. Paul's. And we're reflecting on our faith and what it might have to say to this issue. We're listening carefully to one another. And all of this helps us learn and helps us explore the complexity of the issue. And who knows, we might change our mind as a result of this process, or we might gain deeper insight into our own position. We might come to respect the convictions and wisdom of our neighbors, even if we disagree with them. All of that is part of hanging out together in the purple zone. You guys know purple, right? We have red America and blue America, and we're trying to live in the middle, in the purple. So last week we explored some of the issues around policing and on Monday night we met to have a conversation. There were 22 of us at the meeting and we used a guide produced by the National Issues Forum to help guide the conversation. And we had a mix of ages, people in their 20s to people in their 70s. We had several members of law enforcement present and several other people who have family members that are in law enforcement. We had a mix of men and women, a range of political views is the best that I know them. 
And we had people who had been at St. Paul's, have been at St. Paul's for a very long time, and we have people who are pretty new. You know what? We even had somebody show up who's a neighbor and saw it out on the electronic sign that we were having this meeting, and she walked in. So score one for the electronic sign. Everybody who came was ready to listen. And many different people shared, and we had a really good conversation. Now, I will say that almost everybody in the room was white, which means that we really did not have personal, firsthand stories of people who felt they had been unfairly stopped or treated by the police. We didn't even hear any secondhand stories of family members or friends who had experienced something like that. And, and that didn't really surprise me because it's a reflection of who our church community is. I mean, look around the room, we're predominantly white. I just wanted to mention that there was an important voice in this conversation that was missing for us in the dialogue. Well, some of the things that we discussed, some of the things that seemed the most important to the group was that respect is a two-way street, right? And police officers deserve that and civilians do too and often police officers don't get it. And th this is true in particular encounters with someone they're trying to talk to or even arrest, and, and it's really, especially in the last couple years, it's true at society at large. We spent a great deal of time talking about how it's not really a great time to be a police officer, that morale is low, and police never know how the public is gonna treat them in a given moment that recruitment at law enforcement agencies is uh, low recruitment right now is a sign of this. And some folks even compared it to the way that Vietnam, Vietnam vets were treated after coming home from the war. Right? Like people, this is not my lifetime, but some of you did live this, that uh, people didn't like the politics of the war and so they took that out on servicemen and women who had done their duty and had no control over the politics. We talked about how we all have a part to play in this, how police are viewed in the public square and how we talk about police matters. One person told the story about being in a restaurant and having a parent who was struggling with a child. The child was having a temper tantrum and the parent finally pointed to a nearby police officer who was sitting there in uniform having, eating at the restaurant and the parent said to the child, if you don't behave, I'm gonna have that cop come over here and arrest you. And that parent was obviously desperate. <laughs> and we get it, right? We understand that. But they're also reinforcing the idea that police are scary and that they should be feared. And that doesn't help the child and it doesn't help the cop. At the same time, we recognized in our dialogue that there are communities where people are very scared of the police and their experience of police officers over the decades is perhaps very different than our experience. And the group understood that that fear is real and it needs to be helped, not just dismissed. So we talked about wanting to see that change and explored how better relationships might be built between marginalized communities and law enforcement. We recognized that one size doesn't fit all when it comes to police reform. That would what, what would help in one community might not be the right fit in another. So the idea of federal mandates or across the board reforms seemed like a bad idea to us. We also heard about how some training and new training that, that law enforcement officers are having is really helpful, like implicit bias training and, and how we all need to broaden our worldview beyond our own experience. And that's true for police officers and that's, that's true for all of us. 
Now, we spent a lot of time talking about how there are larger societal pressures at play in this conversation, right? There are deeper problems and tensions that we end up asking the police officers to deal with. They're just dealing with symptoms. They can't get to the root causes, but we don't wanna deal with the root causes. And that's true for stuff like poverty and drug addiction. It's true about the availability of mental health services and fractured family lives. And all of these things have consequences for health and for crime, and we just ask the police to be the ones to deal with it all. And so often they're intervening in situations that have escalated because there was no way for someone to get help earlier when they first needed it. Finally, we talked about how important it is to have an attitude of service versus an attitude of entitlement. And that's true for police, and it's true for us. We talked about how service is something we have to cultivate in ourselves and we have to encourage in society. And we, when we approach one another with an attitude of service, it increases the chance of good communication and understanding and even peaceful solutions. Now here's the good news. You and I have an important part to play in this because service happens to be at the very core of who we are as followers of Jesus. And one place we're reminded of this is in the Gospel of John. The portion that we read for today is, is part of what we call the farewell discourse in John. And it's a long section of teaching where Jesus is trying to help his disciples get ready for him to leave. Very soon after teaching them, he's going to be arrested. And then he's going to be tried on false charges. And then he's going to be unfairly put to death. And his disciples, they don't really know what's in store for them over the next hours and days, but Jesus, he seems to know, and he wants to do what he can to help them be ready. So he gathers them up in an upper room, away from the crowds, away from the noise, and, and before the, they eat, do you remember what he does? Takes a towel, puts it around his waist, and he gets on his knees, and he washes their feet. And that was the job of a servant. It was a lowly job a job without honor, but Jesus did it, and this is what he said. He said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. Jesus is laying out service as a basic pattern of the Christian life. If we want to live like Jesus, he said, kneel down and serve those around you. No matter what power you have, no matter what authority you have, no matter what diploma you have, no matter what title is on the outside of your office door, no matter what badge you're wearing, if we will approach our interactions with others with the idea of service in mind, if we ask first, what can I do to help you? Even if it's something as unglamorous as washing someone's feet, we'll be living in the footsteps of Jesus if we kneel down and do it. Now, a few chapters later in the section that we read for today, Jesus picks up again this theme of service and actually he raises the stakes. He says to them, love one another like I've loved you. And he says, what's the greatest way that love can be shown? To lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, of course, that's what Jesus is about to do for them. He's going to give up his life 
for their lives. He's going to give up his life for our lives. And he's going to do it out of love. And this section of teaching, it reminds me that we have so much to admire and respect in police officers and all law enforcement because so many of them come to work every day with this exact frame of mind. They put on a uniform knowing they're called to serve the public, to keep communities safe, and help people when they're in trouble. And sometimes that call to service gets so big that they have to be ready to lay down their lives for their friends, meaning us. And that's humbling, and that's inspiring. But it also reminds me why we get so upset when we see police abuse their power. Because they're given tremendous responsibility and tremendous authority, and poli when police officers get sideways in their heads about why they're doing their job or what their role is, when they approach people around them not with an attitude of service, but instead wanting to wield their power or abuse their office, everybody gets hurt by that. When there are police officers who've lost their ethic of service to people, we're all safer if they're held accountable and they're given training, and if necessary, removed from their jobs. Well, what do we do from here? Luckily, on Monday night, the last step of that process is to talk about next steps. So, first of all, when I said, what should we do? Everyone said, pray. We should pray. I said, oh, good job, church. Let's pray. Then we suggested doing some kind of, something kind, doing something kind for police officers to help them feel supported. A way to take a moment to serve and honor those who serve us. Also, we talked about continuing to listen. And that means finding ways to listen to people whose experiences with police are different than ours. Especially for us here, we could benefit in seeking out voices from communities of color about their experience with the police. And also listening to law enforcement and ask them about the pressures they face and what they think, what they think should happen regarding police reform. You know, in the summer of 2020, after George Floyd had been killed in Minneapolis, there were a few days when protesters gathered here in the Papillion City Park. Uh, they were there on the corner of Washington and Lincoln. There were never more than a few dozen out there. They held up signs and they waved at cars for a few hours, for a few days, and that was it. Now, this was in the height of the COVID shutdown, right, June of 2020. So perhaps some of you didn't even know that they were ever there. Well, one day when they were out there, someone came into my office and in the midst of talking about something else, just mentioned the protesters. And this person said to me, those kids don't have any idea what they're even talking about. And with that, the person just dismissed them as irrelevant and dumb. I cringed but I wasn't really sure what to say. But reflecting on it now, I realize that if we want to be servants, if we want to show love to the world in the way that Jesus asked us to show love, well, we will not be so quick to pass judgment on people whose lives and life experiences differ so much from ours. I really wish that I had asked that person in my office that day to walk with me to the corner so we could together have asked the protesters what they wanted and why it mattered to them and find out if they did exactly actually know what they were talking about. 
The person in my office might not have agreed with the protesters, but at least we would have listened. At least we would have learned. At least we would have shown the respect of giving attention and care. Jesus made it clear for us. The one who follows him will have the heart of a servant. Now, how you and I live that out day to day, it takes practice, it takes discernment, it takes the help of the Holy Spirit. But God will continually give us chances to show love as Jesus himself showed love. May we be wise enough to do as he did. Thanks be to God. Amen.